Demons Discuss, take 75, the one with the spice rack. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the Old Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. What are we talking about today, Jean? We are talking about Chapter 7 of the Book of Life. Yay! Um, We're plugging along. Yeah. I know. Diana, Matthew, and Fernando, and Sarah are settling in at the Bishop Homestead in Madison, and we get to clean house and go shopping and chit-chat with Fernando and chit-chat with the coven. The locals. <laughs> yes. We get some local flavor. We're now officially in Sol and Leo. Yes, thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wasn't enjoying cancer very much. <laughs> cancer was very crabby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no pun intended. All right, guys. So let's take the time to thank our sponsors. So thank you, sponsors. If you guys are wondering who these sponsors are, they're listeners just like you. They help us pay for all the necessities and niceties that come attached with producing this podcast. We couldn't do it without them. It helps keep us ad-free, and that's important. Angela, it's your turn to compel our listeners to join on Patreon. No pressure, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, depending on the level of giving, you get various swag. Um, But for starting at $2, you get our after show. So that means you get to hear our public show. And then on the off weeks, you get to hear our after show. You also get entered into a quarterly drawing. The prize is just something we choose at random, but it's always good. It always good. Mm. <laughs> and that's always extra, too, because Valerie is Oprah, so she throws in an extra one, two, or three things as well. Yeah, I do. It's, it's because I keep having sales at Sticker Mule. <laughs> yeah, I know. I purposely don't delete those out of our box. <laughs> like, nah, she won't want triangular 3D sticker or whatever. It's like, yep, she does. Yes, I do. <laughs> I totally my do. Suitcase, yeah. My suitcase is going to be totally covered in our own stickers. <laughs> Before this is all over. <laughs> uh, all right, so what you got just there is a taste of our after show. <laughs> yeah, there you That's go. That's for sure. That's for sure. So if you're interested, people, just go to patreon.com slant demons discuss, and that'll take you there, and you can choose the level you want to pledge, and there you go. Two bucks. That's all you need. Not so bad, right? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, we're in recession right now, and I get it. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but hey, but if you want someone to help you get through that recession, I think we're worth it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we're worth it emotionally. Anyway, um, sorry, guys. We have no discusser emails today because it's been crazy in my household for the past couple of weeks. I'll share more in the after show. And after all of the false starts we've gone through to record this very episode, mm-hmm. I'm simply satisfied that we're able to record today. But please, discussers, if you have input on this chapter or anything in this episode, for sure, write us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com or you can speakpipe us, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. I think I got that right. Or give us an old-fashioned phone call and leave us a voicemail and that would be at 1-360-519-7836. So this is a U.S. phone number and normal rates apply. Don't worry about remembering all that stuff or trying to jot it down because it's always in the show notes. I'll always have the ways to contact us in the show notes. So that's that. Wait, can I add that discussers never have to wait for a prompt? They are free to write in on any chapter at any time? Yes. Anytime. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
just like Angela said. Anytime. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that felt like an echo. <laughs> that was a I little J.J. Walker. <laughs> I know. Dynamite. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's start the wagon. <laughs> we're, ha- we're happy to be recording if you can't yeah, tell. <laughs> we are. Uh, this chapter discussion is brought to us by Sarah Dye. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, so when we left off in chapter six, the family was left wondering what Benjamin meant by saying he had come to share Matthew's appreciation for witches. And And we open up chapter seven and we are in Seoul and Leo. Diana Matthew and Sarah and Fernando have all arrived safely in New York. And they're settling in. And I'll start by reading Soul and Leo because I'm excited to be here, really. Yes, I know. Okay, Soul and Leo. She who is born when the sun is in Leo shall be naturally subtle and witty and desirous of learning. Whatsoever she heareth or seeth, if it seems to comprise any difficulty of matter, immediately will she desire to know it. The magic sciences will do her great stead. She shall be familiar to and well-loved by princes. Her first child shall be a female, and the second one a male. During her life, she shall sustain many troubles and perils. I mean, if that isn't a preview for this whole thing. Oh, yes. I don't know what is. And opening this chapter, what did you guys think? You can talk about first read. You can talk about your current read or any read in between. Jean. It's really a descriptive chapter. There's not a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. It's very lush. The descriptions are very lush, but it was kind of like a breather after all of that. Crabby cancer. cancer. Yes. Yes. Listeners can't see my hands waving around. (laughs) All of that. Yeah. Angela, what were your thoughts? Well, if I take myself back to first read, I would have to say... You know, you all know that I didn't love Sarah in A Discovery of Witches and I couldn't handle when she kept leaving messages on the voicemail. And I wanted her to go away. So I have to think that I had continuity here in the Book of Life. And this is actually where, not having the benefit of Alex Kingston in the TV show, this is where I actually started to turn the corner on Sarah. Not only because it was years later and my relationship with Harlow had evolved a little bit, but just mm-hmm. because she's showing a different side to herself. I loved this still room scene. This is like one of my favorite out of the Book of Life. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. was turning the corner here on First Street. So when I first read this, I think I was reminiscing how the house used to be so lively and vibrant and it felt like something had died while they were gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of feeling Sarah right here, like when she was wondering if the ghosts were going to come back and she's just sitting there. That was sad. And she's like, this is not my home without Emily and there's a lot going on here. And on this read, not so much the first read, it's almost kind of like, well, you're being subsumed into the Bishop Claremont scion and the bishops are gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in a way, think about it. Diana's the last of the bishops, and now she's Philippe de Claremont's daughter. Yeah. Right. She's not even a Bishop Claremont, Zion. She's a de Claremont. Yeah. For right now. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the house is trying to find its way in all of that. Do you know? It's in flux, too. 
All right, so let's start. I stood in Sarah's still room and stared through the dust on the surface of the window's wavy glass. The whole house needed a good airing. The stiff brass latch on the sash resisted my attempts at first, but the swollen frame finally gave up the fight, and the window rocketed upward, quivering with indignation at the rough treatment. Deal with it. And this is Diana talking to the window or the house or whatever. <laughs> not, not unlike yeah. me. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like going to a cottage that you haven't been, been to in six or eight months. True. Right. And here she's observing around the room. Sarah left her usual disorderly ways at the threshold. For Sarah, this place was sacred. Yes. So everything had to stay tidy. Surfaces clear. She had our mason jars. This is why we called it the spice rack. Coneflower, feverfew, milk thistle, skullcap, boneset, yarrow, moonwort. Though the ingredients for Sarah's craft were not arranged alphabetically, I'm sure some witchy principle governed their placement since she was always able to reach instantly for the herb or seed she needed. Now, that's like my desk. When it gets messy, I know exactly where everything is. Nobody else does. Right. (laughs) So, yeah. It's also, I think when space is just like yours and yours alone, sometimes you just show a different part of your personality there. And maybe it's not just reverence for her spot, but it's like... It's her true self here. Yeah, it's her true self here. She is really more in control and and not the haphazard loudmouth that she portrays to the public. Or they perceive of her. Or or they perceive of her. Yeah. I like that you, what you said, Jean, that it could be an extension of her personality too. And there's the same reverence for this space as there was for Philippe's office. Yeah, Mm -hmm. true. Because this is her version of Philippe's office. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us have a space or a place that, you know, we can Mm -hmm. kind of treat that way. For me, it's my desk where I do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's kind of an in I'm in between spaces. It used to be my the, the our office because it's like I had all my stuff there and it was arranged. I knew where it was and now it's all in boxes. But I'll have, <laughs> I'll have my space back soon. Right now, my space is kind of like in the bedroom and it's kind of portable. But funny enough, I've got I still have a couple of wardrobe. We have some wardrobes with the winter clothes that are just basically there. Right. And the top of one of them is all my also's artwork from Kareen and Belia and Angel and everybody. And it's like the closest thing I have to a desk right now. <laughs> you make do with Which what is kind you of got. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I got to make do with what I have right now. And I'm not unpacking anything else at this point in time. Hey. It's kind of ridiculous, but it makes me feel better. So whatever it takes. So Sarah had taken the Bishop Grimoire with her to Septur, but now it was back where it belonged, resting on what remained of an old pulpit that M had bought in one of Baugville's antique shops. Uh, she and Sarah had sawed off its supporting pillar, and now the lectern sat on the old kitchen table that had come here with the first bishops at the end of the 18th century. What's that? Uh, one of the attorneys I work with has one like perched on the side the side of his <laughs> desk. Do you know? Literally, it's so funny that you mention it because it's we all wonder why he has it. It's like you can't really use it as a standing desk because it's slanted. <laughs> Maybe that's where he rehearses. His yeah, I was going to say exactly. <laughs> Do you know what? This read, I thought of Gerbert. Didn't he have something like that in his rooms? Or I could have swore Isabeau... Put a pin in that. When we get to that chapter, I'm going to point that out. But yeah, I I think Isabeau was commenting, oh, how grandiose he thinks he is to have Mm -hmm. this. I don't know if it was like something from the Vatican or something. Yeah, it might be. I was going to say, because I I look at it, it's like it's not really a standing desk. But I suppose, I mean, maybe it was at one point in time. Maybe people (laughs) did write slanty on a slanty. 
Auntie Surface like that. Ergonomics before they were popular. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And to describe this room more, various old appliances and a battered electrical outlet strip were strewn around Sarah's work surface. Avocado green for the win. (laughs) That just screams 70s to me. It does. I know. Well, don't forget she's got a brown refrigerator in the main house. That's true. That's also very 70s. Isn't avocado green the only color crockpots came in back then? <laughs> <laughs> what did we go to in the 80s? It was like harvest, no, harvest yellow. No. I thought there was three. You could get avocado green, harvest gold, and persimmon. Persimmon. Yeah, I remember it, like, the persimmon. Yeah. I think we might even have the persimmon. <laughs> yeah, because I had like a persimmon hot pot when I went yeah. off to college. That my, my aunt's like, oh, here, you know, take this. I'm like, great. It's probably got a bad coordinate, but whatever. But it was like that persimmon orangey red. Orange. Yeah, it. that was a big thing. I remember like in our house in Queens, we had that avocado green carpet. Awful. <laughs> we had an yeah. orange couch just like that, that persimmon orange. And mm-hmm. I think when we moved upstate, that's when we started the harvest gold started flowing into the house. Oh, do you oh remember? Gosh. Do you remember like they would have like those pseudo toile, almost like revolutionary scenes, uh, upholstery fabric with like scenes and it was in like oh the browns God, and yes. oranges and gold. <laughs> oh my God, my grandparents had, had a couch. I call it the dog couch. Because <laughs> it's like nowadays it would have been the couch in the basement that the dog slept on. Right. When we were growing yeah. up because it was like very late 60s, early 70s and right. everybody thought it was, but it was like you never ended up getting rid of that couch because it was so fucking heavy. Yeah. Right. It's like, no one wanted it's to still, haul it outside. <laughs> it's still good. It's really sturdy. It's like, okay. Yeah. So we're getting that 70s, late 70s, early 80s vibe with this whole thing. And it's just like, I remember the shag carpets in the yes. guest room and it was horrible. I mean, these weren't just like throw rugs. These were installed shag. Yes. Wall to wall shag carpeting. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, terrible. What were we thinking? People. Oh, I don't do know. It was like, yikes. <laughs> At least we never had a bathroom with full wall to wall carpeting, which to me, <gasps> really? Oh, that is the board. It's like, why? Why would anyone ever do that? When we lived in Las Vegas, the anesthesia billing group that Al was affiliated with, one of the other anesthesiologists had, and it was actually kind of cool. He had this condo in Del Mar Mm -hmm. and it was right by the dog beach, right on the beach. It was an older development. And so it was like built in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. And it hadn't really been remodeled since the seventies because it's like you walked in, it was like a split level. It wasn't even floors. It was split level (laughs) condo. And it had like the, patio railing where the dining dining area was. Yeah. And it was full of 70 shag carpeting, including the bathrooms. And it was, I mean, it was hor- in a way it was horrifying, but it's like, you know what? Who cares? You're at the beach and it's free and I'm not here for the... It, it gives me mildew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, ugh. And it never, it was like, I always like felt damp under your feet. It's like, oh, this is oh, horrible, but yeah. you know. That must be right smell. Next to the, yeah, it was right next to the racetrack and right by downtown. So it was like... Mm, it's Take what you like, got, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The location was fabulous, but 
Yeah, okay. Accommodations are a little. Yeah. All right. So there were coffee grinders, a blender. Uh, these were the tools of a modern witch. Though Sarah kept a big black cauldron by the fireplace for old time's sake. Yeah. Okay. Not, not trying to break witchy. any stereotypes or anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> which, but and the funny thing is, is this description is so different than what we get when Matthew and Marcus are messing around in the still room with the page. I mean, it's right. almost like she's describing a different room altogether. True. I don't know. Maybe Sarah was putting on a show for them. It was like, ah, look at my cauldron. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. when she's by herself, she's using the slow cooker, the crock pot. And, well, I'm just wondering if she has two work areas, because this almost sounds like a summer kitchen in a separate building. Yeah, I think I kind of got the impression that the still room was kind of an offshoot of the kitchen, mm-hmm. kind of like a side room. Or maybe I'm thinking of Practical Magic. I don't know <laughs> how that how they're the place where they actually chopped the herbs and everything was kind of off of the kitchen. It wasn't actually in the kitchen. So maybe that's how I pictured it, kind of like a, an extension or addition. Maybe it was a, a patio at one point and they enclosed it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, they used the slow cooker for making oils and potions, the coffee grinders and blender for preparing incense and pulverizing herbs, which makes sense. I mean, the grinder would be a good way to pulverize herbs, yeah. but you can't use it for coffee anymore because that would be bad. Yeah, <laughs> especially incense after incense. I feel like, why is this coffee taste so foul? (laughs) And the coffee machine for brewing infusions. In the corner stood a shining white specimen fridge. We remember that fridge with a red cross on the door, unplugged and unused. So Diana's still kind of talking to herself or the house or whoever. Maybe Matthew can find something more high tech for Sarah. A Bunsen burner. A few limbics, perhaps. Suddenly I longed for Mary Sidney's well-equipped 16th century laboratory. I looked up, half hoping to see the splendid murals of alchemical processes that decorated her walls at Baynard's castle. Instead, dried herbs and flowers hung from the twine strung up between the exposed rafters. I could identify some of them, the swollen pods of Nigella, bursting with tiny seeds, prickly topped milk thistle, long stem mullion, crowned with bright yellow flowers that earn them the name of witches' candles. Stalks of fennel. Sarah knew every one of them by sight, touch, taste, and smell. With them, she cast spells and manufactured charms. The dried plants were gray with dust, but I knew better than to disturb them. Sarah would never forgive me if she came into her still room and discovered nothing but stems. I cleaned up, Sarah. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you needed that stuff? <laughs> I thought it was junk. (laughs) All right. So the still room had once been the farmhouse's kitchen. One wall was occupied by a huge fireplace complete with a wide hearth and a pair of ovens. Above it was a storage loft accessible by a rickety old ladder. I spent many a rainy afternoon there, curled with a book, listening to the rain patter against the roof. Cora was up there now, one eye open, open and lazy interest. <laughs> Just like, what the fuck are you doing down right. there? Eh, whatever, yeah. I'm going back to sleep. I can see your little tail like hanging off the edge, swinging like a pendulum. Yeah. Okay, so Diana goes on. I saw and set the desmos dancing. It was going to take water and lots of elbow grease to make this room welcoming again. And if my mother had known something that might help us find the book of life, this is where I would find it. A soft chime sounded, then another. And uh, Goody also had taught me how to discern the threads that bound the world and pull them to weave spells that were not in any grimoire. The threads were around me all the time, and when they brushed together, they made a sort of music. I reached out and snagged a few strands on my 
fingers, blue and amber, for the colors that connected the past to the present and the future. I've seen them before, but only in corners where unsuspecting creatures wouldn't be caught in time's warp and weft. So it's just weird because the time just keeps showing up right. here. Yeah. And, and I was why? wondering why this time. Hmm. Is time, I mean, is time following her or is it? I don't know. It's like, it or... seems like every time she thinks of something in the past, it just shows up. True, like, true, true. Yeah. And then we'll find out in an upcoming chapter that there's a, the crossroads are right there too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Or maybe this just came up and it was one of those things that just never got picked back up. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Okay. So not surprisingly, time was not behaving as it should in the Bishop house. I twisted the blue and amber threads into a knot and tried to push them back where they belong. They sprang back up, weighting the air with memories and regret. A weaver's knot couldn't fix what was wrong here. Yeah, that's ominous. It's like, Mm -hmm. what, what the fuck is wrong here? It's hot. Because she goes on to say, my body is damp with perspiration, even though all I had done was displace the dust and dirt from one location to another. I've forgotten how hot Madison could be at this time of year. Picking up a bucket full of dingy water, I pushed against the still room door. It wouldn't budge. Move, Tabitha. (laughs) Damn cats there. (laughs) Tabitha yelled. She refused to join me in the still room. It was still Sarah and M's domain, and she considered me an invader. As she should. Mm -hmm. Don't touch my mommy's shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'll set Cora on you. (laughs) Tabitha shifted. One paw stretched far past the crack and the other as she slipped away. Sarah's cat had no wish to battle with my familiar, but her dignity forbade hurried retreat. She's like, yeah, I'll go. Only (laughs) because I want to. Not because of you. (laughs) I'm just going to kind of sashay out. It's not because of you. Mm. (laughs) This place is boring. I'm leaving. (laughs) I'm bored. (laughs) What a dump. We're leaving. <laughs> I pushed open the back door. Outside, a drone of insects and an unrelenting pounding filled the air. I flung the dirty water off the deck and Tabitha shot outside to join Fernando. He was standing with a foot propped up on a stump we used to split wood, watching Matthew drive fence posts into the field. And here's Diana to Fernando. Is he still at it? And Matthew's mind is quieter when he's working with his hands, Fernando said. Carving stone, fighting with his sword, sailing a boat, riding a poem, doing an experiment. It doesn't really matter. He's just keeping himself busy. Yes. Like anyone. Yep. True. So true. And Diana says, he's thinking about Benjamin. And hello. (laughs) And Fernando turned and said, the more Matthew thinks about his son, the more he is taken back to a time where he did not like himself or the choices he made. Oh, has that improved, Fernando? Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was worse, you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) And then Diana says, Matthew doesn't often talk about Jerusalem. He showed me his pilgrim's badge and told me about Eleanor. Fernando says, ah, fair Eleanor. Her death was another preventable mistake. And Fernando's bitter. Matthew should never have gone to the Holy Land the first time, never mind the second. The politics and bloodshed were too much for any young vampire to handle, especially one with blood rage. But Philippe needed every weapon at his disposal if he hoped to succeed in Outremer. Philippe dreamed of setting up a Majasang kingdom there, but it was not to be. For once in his life, he underestimated the avarice of the warm bloods, not to mention their religious fanaticism. Philippe should have left Matthew in Cordoba with he 
you and me. For Matthew was no help to him in Jerusalem or Accra or any of the other places his father sent him. It seems Fernando's upset about several things. <laughs> yeah, mostly Philippe. All having to do with Philippe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, anything coming out of anybody's mouth about Philippe, Fernando's going to have something to say. Blood rage can be an asset, it seems, when what you want is a killer. And then Diana, um, Captain Obvious here, I don't think you like Philippe. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Recently, I'd experienced twinges of dislike where Philippe was concerned. And it's understandable what happens. He had given Matthew the job of family assassin, after all. Sometimes I looked at my husband standing alone in the lengthening summer shadows or silhouetted against the light from the window and saw the heaviness of that responsibility weighing on his shoulders. Hey, so he's not like Baldwin? Come on now. Right. He is like Baldwin. <laughs> it's like he was doing necessary things, you know. I, I guess Diana, when she first saw him, she put him on a pedestal and that was her mistake right there. Here's a thing to throw out there, too. I mean, what would have happened if he had not had that quote unquote job to channel that, that blood rage, rage and right. dissipate it? Yeah. I mean, what kind of mess would we be looking at? It's a shitty job, but it's kind of like letting your dog run around out in the yard just to dissipate some of that energy and don't yeah, come back I mean, in until you've calmed down. So I think like, it was an added benefit in Philippe's eyes as far as... I mean, it was not very pleasant kind of therapy. Yeah. True. In a way. And and it's like, oh, well, oh my God, you you hang this label on him. It's like, oh my God, he was an assassin. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, would it be better if he was just like Benjamin killing people indiscriminately to amuse himself or right. whatever? Yeah. Would that somehow be better? You take the lesser of the two evils in that thing. And plus, it's more of a benefit to Philippe and the whole entire family if we're using him as an assassin. And the added benefit is, hey, he gets to work out some of that killy energy. Okay, in this so ridiculously high level, but not only does he work off some of that killy energy, mm -hmm. he has to be smart about it. Mm. Which targeted. It, it's targeted and it's teaching him control of it. True. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really where he learned to control his blood rages because by, by doing it in that channeled way, he had to be smart about it and strategic yeah. about it and not get caught about it. <laughs> yeah. Be sneaky about it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Matthew's, you know, pounding on fence posts and he sees uh, Diana out there and he's like, Hey, do you need something? And then she's like, Nope, just getting some water. And Matthew's like, have Fernando help you because you're my damsel in distress and you shouldn't be carrying anything. <laughs> anyway, yeah. of course, she said noncommittally. And then Fernando's like, you have no intention of letting me carry your bucket. <laughs> why isn't she just doing an, a sorcerer's apprentice? And Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, why don't she snap her fingers and play bewitched and just clean up the still room that way, for God's sake? I Come still on, don't girl. think she trusts her, her magic, really, especially oh. in that space. <laughs> it's like... Good that's a decent point you make. Yeah. I mean, she used to set shit on fire in there. <laughs> Inadvertently. <laughs> so, yeah. Fernando is getting a little dramatic here. He's like, you wound me. How will I hold up my head in the de Claremont family if you don't allow me to put you on a pedestal as a proper knight would do? <laughs> <laughs> 
If you keep Matthew from renting that steel roller he's been talking about to resurface the driveway, I'll let you wear shining armor for the rest of the summer. And then she gave Fernando a peck on the cheek and departed. Feeling restless and uncomfortable in the heat, and this is Diana talking, I abandoned the empty buckets in the kitchen sink and went to search for my aunt. It wasn't hard to find her. Sarah had taken to sitting in my grandmother's rocking chair in the keeping room and staring at the ebonized tree growing out of the fireplace. In coming back to Madison, Sarah was being forced to confront the loss of Emily in an entirely new way. It had left her subdued and remote. And that made me sad. It's yeah. like, oh, mm-hmm. man, it's too hot to clean. I'm going into town to run errands. Do you want to come? And that's Diana giving her, come on, you know, you got to get out of this house sometime. Shower, something. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Sarah's like, no, I'm OK. Diana says, Hannah O'Neill called again. She invited us to her Lignat. Help me say that. Lugnasada? Lugnasa. Just call it Lamas. Lamas. Yeah, Thank that's, you. that's good. <laughs> Potluck. First harvest. Yeah, there you go. Since our return, we've received a stream of phone calls from members of the Madison Coven. Sarah had told the high priestess, Vivian Harrison, that she was perfectly fine and was being well taken care of by her family. After that, she refused to talk to anyone. And that kind of hurt my heart. It's like, Sarah, you were so feisty. Come I on, know, girl. I know. Sarah ignored my mention of Hannah's invitation and continued to study the tree. And then she says, the ghosts are bound to come back eventually, don't you think? And the house had been remarkably free of spectral visitors since our return. Matthew blamed Cora, but Sarah and I knew better. With M so recently gone, the rest of the ghosts were staying away so that we didn't pester them with questions about how she was faring. So it's like, nah, girl, <laughs> I'm going to stay away from that house. I can't handle the questions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Diana says, sure, but it's probably going to be a while. Sarah's still on her, uh, the ghosts are gone, bent. The house is so quiet without them. I never saw them like you did, but I can tell they were around. Diana said, hey, have you decided what to do about the blasted tree? It had been waiting for Matthew and me when we returned from 1591. The gnarled black trunk taking up most of the chimney and its roots and the branches extending into the room. And I'm trying to picture this. That would be crazy to have in your house, wouldn't you think? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, though it seemed devoid of life, the tree did occasionally produce strange fruit, car keys, as well as the image of the chemical wedding that had been torn from Ashmole 782. More recently, it had offered up a recipe for rhubarb compote circa 1875 and a pair of false eyelashes circa, <laughs> circa 1973. Fernando and I thought the tree should be removed, the chimney repaired, and the paneling patched and painted. Sarah and Matthew were less convinced. I don't know, Sarah said with a sigh. I'm getting used to it. We can always decorate it for the holidays. <laughs> oh, she's got a point. Yeah. The snow is going to blow straight through those cracks come winter, I said, picking up my purse. What did I teach you about magical objects, Sarah asked, and I heard a trace of her normal sharpness. Yay. Don't touch them until you understand them. Oh, let me do in a little snarky voice. Don't touch them until you understand them. I intoned the voice of a six-year-old. <laughs> Cutting down a magically produced tree certainly qualifies as touching. Don't you agree? Sarah motioned Tabitha away from the hearth where she was sitting, staring at the bark. We need milk and eggs, and Fernando wants some kind of fancy rice. He promised to make me paella. Milk, eggs, rice. Got it. 
I gave Sarah one last worried look. Tell Matthew I won't be long. The floorboards in the front hall creaked out a brief complaint as I crossed the door. I paused, my foot glued in place. The Bishop House. Because the house is telling her that her shopping list is incomplete and they don't have three quarters of the ingredients they really need for paella. But besides that. (laughs) Hey, you're going to need some more shit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you better pick up some saffron and some seafood. Right. Rice is the least of your worries. The Bishop House was not an ordinary home and had a history of making its feelings known on a variety of issues from who had a right to occupy it to whether or not it approved of the new paint color on the shutters. Oh, that would be a pain in the ass yeah. house because, oh my mm-hmm. God. But there was oh, no... they would f- love your blue. You think? Yeah. Good. I, yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm hoping I'm making the spirits happy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. There was no further response from the house. Like the ghost, it was in waiting. So outside, Sarah's new car was parked by the front door. Her old Honda Civic had met up with a mishap during its return from Montreal, where Matthew and I had left it. A de Clermont functionary had been tasked to drive it back to medicine, but the engine had fallen out. My God! <laughs> Somewhere. Man. Bet- between Bauckville and Watertown, to console Sarah, Matthew had presented her with a metallic purple Mini Cooper, complete with white racing stripes. Okay, there is a technical error in this because the year that this was supposedly taking place, that purple did not exist. <laughs> nope. I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Don't it's mind like, me. You can research these things, people, and find them out. I just sure knew got- because I was stuck. I was in England stuck between hot orange and that purple. And that was the only year they produced that purple. And that was Mm -hmm. in 2004. Just saying. Anyway. They haven't haven't done purple since. No, they have not. Okay. I'm sorry before I I got on my tangent. Well, I don't think Matthew bought her a used car either. No, no, he Here's wouldn't. That. He'd buy her new. Can you okay. imagine him haggling with the with the previous <laughs> owner? <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. Uh, okay. Edge with black and silver and a personalized license plate that said New Broom. Which factually, again, guys, New York State did not allow for so many letters. So it'd be that. shortened as well. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I feel nitpicky, but nah, that wouldn't happen. We know things. When you we know, know things, things, these things bother you. Yeah, they bother me. I'm like, eh, these are two particular subjects I know about. And yeah. Anyway, Matthew hoped this witchy message would obviate Sarah's need to put bumper stickers all over the vehicle. But I feared it was only a matter of time before this car looked like the old one. Oh, why why are they concerned about together that? by the bu- bumper stickers? Let her put all the stickers up. She w- it's her car, right? Come on. <laughs> yep. But I think all I think all of her her old car was held together by those bumper stickers. Ah! <laughs> I mean, let, let, let's let's get realistic here. I was holding all that rust together. I was just thinking when I was growing up, uh, one of my friends, their mom had this Volkswagen bug uh-huh. and uh, one of her bumper stickers was a Band-Aid and it was literally covering I a love that. hole. Oh, that's great. <laughs> she would not get rid of that car until it died, died. But she loved oh, that man. car. In high school, all the rock stations in Detroit, all, you know, they all had free bumper stickers at the record store and everything mm-hmm. else and da, 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 da. And one of the guys in the junior class had a old fastback Mustang. Nice. And they literally 
covered the whole car in station bumper stickers. <laughs> Just the same. And it was all WRIF. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The whole freaking car. So it's like my computer. They, <laughs> Just covered and with they stickers. Didn't, but, and what was so funny is they were so meticulous. They it ended up being in the homecoming parade and everything else, but they were so, it wasn't just like they slapped them all over. They were meticulous about it. Wow. <laughs> it was like the precursor for vinyl wraps on a car. <laughs> there was a method to their madness. <laughs> it was insane. It was just like, yeah, that, and that car definitely was held together by all those bumpers. <laughs> <laughs> now the TV show, she does have a wood grain station wagon, does she not? She has a Jeep Wagoneer. The Wagoneer. Oh yep. yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. I love the way it's the wood grain Wagoneer. <laughs> It was perfect. I loved it. And the bumper stickers. Yep. And the bumper stickers. From Which Laura. Were, that Laura created. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in case anyone thought Sarah's new car and her lack of slogans meant her paganism was wavering, Matthew purchased a witch antenna ball. Hey, we know what these look like. Yes, we do. Uh, she has red hair and was wearing a pointy hat and sunglasses. No matter where Sarah parked, someone stole it. Yeah, because they're hard box. to find. You can't find them <laughs> now. <laughs> you can't find them. <laughs> you can't find. I know where we can find a few, but I'm not telling. <laughs> Our prize closets. Anyway. Shh. It's a secret, guys. Anyway, he kept a box of replacements in the mudroom cupboard. Yeah, because you have to order 10000 from China. So I'm sure there was... <laughs> yeah. He's got like 9000 in set tour and he's got the other... <laughs> other thousand at Bishop House. Yeah. I waited until Matthew was hammering in his next fence post before jumping into Sarah's mini. I reversed it and sped away from the house. Matthew had gone so far as to forbid me from leaving the farm unaccompanied. And Sarah knew where I was going. Happy to be getting away, I opened up the sunroof to catch the July breezes on my way into town. That's right, ride that mini, girl. Yepers. My first stop was at the post office. Mrs. Hutchinson eyed the tight swell under the hem of my t-shirt. With interest, but still said nothing. Hmm. The only other people in the post office were two antiques dealers and Smitty, Matthew's new best friend from the hardware store. Of course. I cannot picture Matthew just being at the local Ace, <laughs> just chatting with a dude named Smitty. Yeah. So this I don't guy- know. Have you been in our, if you'd been in our local Ace over where our house was in Fort Worth, mm-hmm. you can't get out of there with their version of sh- Smitty uh, chit-chatting. That's true. That is kind of universal. Yeah. That, yeah. I think all they do is hire hire chit-chatty old guys. That's like their hiring uh, dossier for Ace. Robert loves the Ace. He goes in there and he'll spend hours in there because they also carry weird things. Oh, I know. God, I bought perfume at Ace. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll own it. Our ace, our ace, since it's on campus, it had all kinds of weird shit. I mean, they had some of the best, like, craft candles and... Oh, they yeah, their candles. Underwear uh, and socks you can find there. They were car- they carried Tokyo. I mean, the perfume I bought there was Tokyo milk, which isn't easy to find. Wow. Yeah, Ace Hardware's um, weird like that. If you go in the first few rows, you just don't know what you're going to yeah. see. You have to- can't, like, they all had all kinds of weird candy. You could always get Swedish fish there. 
they have had old school candy, you know, the, yes. the buttons and all the circus peanuts. Oh, God. <laughs> those those uh, burnt peanuts. Right. And pixie those, sticks. And pixie sticks. And yeah. I got those dish towels for you guys at the 80s <laughs> from a couple years ago. They have cool shit, man. <laughs> Very cool shit. That's not, I guess that sounds unusual. But then I think about Menards. Do you guys have Menards? No. What it's, is it? Yeah, it, It's a huge store, uh, like a original Home Depot-ish kind of store. But they have like, it's the only place I could find salted nut rolls like in the in the king size and the nice package and yeah. <laughs> so I get what you're saying yeah we've been in a Menards in Ohio yeah I get and it is weird they've got like weird stuff like kind of like the feed stores here too oh yeah because they carry supplies like that too yeah and they carry all kinds of weird candies and, and pickled jalapenos <laughs> and just yes, yes. shit Weird shit. Pickle jalapenos make the best poppers, guys. They do. <laughs> anyway, we digress yes. into the ditch. Yes. I think it's the lunch ditch. I know. Right. It's feeling like the lunch ditch. How is that post-mall working out for Mr. Claremont? Smitty asked, tapping his sheaf of junk mail against the brim of his John Deere hat. I can picture this guy because mm-hmm. he would mm-hmm. be at the hardware store. I've met him at the post office in Decatur. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> Have haven't sold one of them in ages. Most people want post pounders these days. That uh, sounds terrible. Oh my god. This is good for me. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway. Oh. Matthew seems quite happy <laughs> Most people aren't six foot three vampires, I thought. Uh, <laughs> oh god, this is just getting worse. And worse. I know. It's terrible. Oh my god. Tow truck, please. Tow it, truck. And it I while we were all laughing, I did look up post mall versus post pounder. You would laugh even more if you saw oh, no. how heavy duty the post pounder is. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly if you're not a vampire. <laughs> so it's, I mean, if you want manual or mechanical, it's really up to us. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Battery is not included. <laughs> uh, I mean, can you get that as a gas powered? <laughs> <laughs> Audience, I'm sorry. It's been a minute. It's been a while. It's, it's been a bad week. <laughs> okay. All right. Deep breath. Whew. All right. So oh referring to Matthew, Smitty says, you've got a good one there. And he seems to be getting along with Ms. Bishop, too. The last was said in a slightly odd tone. It's like, wow, somebody's getting along with Sarah. What the fuck? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Diana said, I picked up the stack of catalogs and bills that remained and put them in my bag. You take care, Smitty. I got to get out of this conversation. AKA. <laughs> exit, exit stage right. Right. <laughs> Bye, Mrs. Claremont. Tell Mr. Claremont to let me know when he decides about the roller for the driveway. Oh, uh, damn. <laughs> it's not Mrs. Claremont. I still use. Oh, never mind. And she's like, this is not worth it, man. Right. I got to go. <laughs> And Diana says, I said, catching Smitty's confused ex- expression, I opened the door and stepped aside to let the two children enter. The kids were in hot pursuit 
of lollipops, which Mrs. Hutchinson kept on the counter. I was almost out the door when I heard Smitty whispering to the postmistress, Have you met Mr. Claremont, Annie? Nice guy. I was beginning to think Diana was going to be a spinster like Ms. Bishop, if you know what I mean. Oh, gosh. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> Smitty said, giving Mrs. Hutchinson a meaningful wink. I turned onto Route 20 through green fields and past old farmsteads that had once provided food to the area's residents. And this is exciting. This is the first time I saw, I didn't even know Diana could drive. So she's driving. She's chilling. I wonder if she's listening to shite music. Hmm. (laughs) I wonder what that would be. I don't know. (laughs) Many of the properties had been subdivided and their land turned into different purposes. There were schools and offices, a granite yard, a yarn shop, and a converted barn. When I pulled into the parking lot of the supermarket in nearby Hamilton, it was practically deserted. Even when college was in session, it was never more than half full. I maneuver Sarah's car into one of the plentiful open spaces near the door, parking next to one of the vans that people when they had children. It had sliding doors to allow for the easy installation of car seats, a lot of cuff holders and beige carpets to hide the cereal that got flung on the Man, floor. there's a lot of bitterness in that right. description. Listen to me. That was me when I was getting ready to have Asa. That was me because that was the first thing Robert suggested I buy. Well, I, I just think it's kind of funny that we get this big involved description of a minivan when it, all you have to do is go minivan and not for me <laughs> yeah everybody's making the sign at the you know back back, back the away satan sign yeah <laughs> listen to me that attitude that she's portraying that was me the whole way i refused it even when my kids were i'd say in high school i had a mini cooper with no back doors and i'm like they don't have jobs they don't need back doors right yeah <laughs> That was my attitude. And so like I can I'm like weird that I have that extreme attitude about minivans because it's like it's the quote unquote mom car and it wasn't the cool mom car like the station wagons I grew up with. They evolved into this horrible thing. Horrible whatever. <laughs> and I just think of Mr. and Mrs. Smith when she's like maneuvering that that big old minivan and she's doing it expertly. She's like, I'm the one who's supposed to be the mom here, so I'ma drive this thing and she was driving it crazy like that. But I was like, Mm-mm, I can't see myself driving it. So I feel you, Diana, for once, maybe twice. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she was awfully descriptive about this horrible vehicle. Anyway, Sarah's zippy little car was a welcome reminder that there were other options. Yes, there were. Though Matthew would probably insist on a panzer tank once the twins were born. I mean, I would have taken a Range Rover. I would have been okay with that. Yeah. But I couldn't afford that. (laughs) 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 I eyed the silly green witch on the antenna. As I murmured a few words, the wires in the antenna rerouted themselves through the soft foam ball and the witch's hat. No one would be stealing Sarah. Sarah's mascot on my watch. Nice binding spell, a dry voice said from behind me. I don't believe I know that one. It's like, ah, shit, I was caught. Fuck. Damn. (laughs) Damn it. I whirled around. The woman standing there was 50-ish with shoulder-length hair that had gone prematurely silver and emerald green eyes. A low hum of power surrounded her. Not showy, but solid. This was the high priestess of Madison's coven. Hello, Mrs. Harrison. The Harrisons were an old Hamilton family. They come from Connecticut. And like the bishops... 
the women kept the family name regardless of marriage. Vivian's husband, Roger, had taken the radical step of changing his last name from Barker to Harrison. He's Mr. Harrison. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. When the two wed, earning him a revered spot on the coven annuals were his willingness to honor tradition and a fair amount of ribbing from the other husbands. Oh, well. He's like, fuck it. They can't be that cool. The husbands are jealous. They can't be that cool. They can't be that cool. And you know what? They're not giving me the booty at night. It's my, it's Vivian, yo. I think you're old enough to call me Vivian, don't you? And her eyes dropped to my abdomen. Go, going shopping? And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. I'm like, at the time, I think first read, I was like, man, this bitch is nosy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No witch can lie to a fellow witch. Under the circumstances, it was best to keep my responses brief. What a coincidence. So am I. (laughs) I'm like, wow, she's pushy too. (laughs) Behind Vivian, two shopping carts detached themselves from the stack and rolled out of the corral. So you're due in January, she asked once we were inside. I fumbled and nearly dropped the paper bag of apples grown on a nearby farm. Only if I carry the babies to full term. I'm expecting twins. Twins are a handful, Vivian said ruefully. Just ask Abby. And she waved at a woman holding two cartons of eggs. Hi, Diana. I don't think we've met. See, everybody knows who she is. It's like, wow, she can't even blend, yo. Abby, I guess this is a small town thing, really. uh, Well, they all know Sarah. That's true. I was going to say it's a small town, but Deb did the deed of writing in old families to this area. Yeah. I mean, even going back to the post office, Ann Hutchison is an ancestor of someone who settled in that area, like the 1600s. Yeah. Yeah. And wasn't there also Hutchinson involved in Salem, too? Yes. I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And somebody, somebody's got a book and they're keeping track of everybody. Yes. I'm oh, convinced yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, how could she not be Sarah's niece? They yeah. love the family resemblance thing. Mm-hmm. So here comes Abby. She's like, hi, Diana. I don't think we've met. Abby put one of the cartons in the section of the cart designed for toddlers. She buckled the eggs into place using the flimsy seatbelt. Once the babies are born, you'll have to come up with a different way to keep them from getting broken. I've got some zucchini for you in the car, so don't even think about buying any. So yeah, this, this is a small town because it reminds me of Northern Maine. Everybody knows who everybody yeah, is. Like, you know? Yeah, I got a trunk full of zucchini. Don't think you're going to get away from here without right. me giving you <laughs> My crop got out of control oh. this year. <laughs> Gosh. Does everybody in the county know that I'm pregnant, I asked? Not to mention that I was out shopping for today. Only the witches, Abby said, and anybody who talks to Smitty. Smitty's the local <laughs> loudmouth. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> a four-year-old boy in a striped shirt wearing a Spider-Man mask sped by. John Pratt, stop chasing your sister. Not to worry, I found Grace in the cookie aisle, said a handsome man in shorts and a gray and maroon Colgate University t-shirt. He was holding a squirming toddler whose face was smeared with chocolate and cookie crumbs. Hi, Diana. I'm Abby's husband, Caleb Pratt. I teach here. Caleb's voice was easy, but there was a crackle of energy around him. Could he have a touch of elemental magic? My question highlighted the fine threads that surrounded him, but Vivian distracted me before I could be certain. Caleb's a professor at the anthropology department, Vivian said with pride. He and Abby have been a welcome addition to the community. Nice to meet you, I murmured. And Diana's like, damn, I'm getting in more deep than I really bargained for. Right yeah, here. I, was, I wasn't like 
dress for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole coven must shop at the cost cutter on Thursday. Only when we need to talk business, Abby said, reading my mind with ease. Whoa, so she reads minds. So far as I can tell, she had considerably less magical talent than Vivian or Caleb, but there's obviously some power in her blood. We expected to see Sarah today, but she's avoiding us. Is she okay? Not really. I hesitated. Once the Madison coven had represented everything I wanted, wanted to deny about myself about being a bishop, but the witches of London had taught me that there was a price to pay for living cut off from the other witches. And the simple truth was that Matthew and I couldn't manage on our own, not after everything that had transpired at Septor. So this whole little grocery trip, because what Abby says is not when we have to talk business, it's almost like the Bodleian where all the creatures came out because they felt something. Yeah. Yeah. They knew something was going on. It's like, I'm feeling like we need to go to the cost cutter, people. Let's go. You know, (laughs) something's happening there. And I'm really curious about Caleb. I don't think we find out too, too much about him. And I kind of glossed over the whole, wait a minute, he's more powerful than Abby in elemental magic. It's like, hmm, Mm and an anthropology professor like Stephen? Right. Right. Again. And Pratt's got to be a prominent name in there, too, because... Debbie's a lot of prominent names, so I'll look that up and put it in the show notes, you guys. Uh, So Vivian says, something you want to say, Diana? I think we need your help. The words slipped out easily. My astonishment must have shown for three witches all started to laugh. Good. That's what we're here for. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Time. Shit. (laughs) God, we've been waiting for you to say this. What's the problem? Sarah's stuck and Matthew and I are in trouble. I know my thuns have been bothering me for days, Caleb said, bouncing Grace on his lap. At first, I thought it was just the vampires. <laughs> Diana's like, whoa, what? God, something wicked this way comes by the picking of my thumbs. And Diana says it's more than that. It involves witches, too, and the congregation. My mother may have had a premonition about it, but I don't know where to begin searching for more information. And Vivian says, what does Sarah say? Not much. She's mourning Emily all over again. Sarah sits by the fireplace and watches the tree growing out of the hearth and waits for the ghost to come back. And then Caleb's eyebrows lifted. And your husband? Matthew's replacing fence posts. She pushed a hand through her hair, lifting the damp strands from her neck. If it got any warmer, you'd be able to fry an egg on Sarah's car. A classic example of displaced aggression, Caleb said thoughtfully, as well as a need to establish firm boundaries. What kind of magic is that? And Diana's like, whoa, how did she know this much about Matthew? How did he? And Caleb's like, it's anthropology. You know, it's just from observing people. That's a good cover. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and Vivian like, maybe we should talk about this somewhere else. And she smiled warmly at the growing crowd of onlookers in the produce section. Like, let's go, guys. The few humans in the store couldn't help noticing the gathering of four otherworldly creatures, and several were openly listening in on our conversation while pretending to judge the ripeness of cantaloupes and watermelons. I don't like, think being otherworldly had anything to do with it. It's a small town. <laughs> yeah, it is a small town. And I'm sure. Yeah. It's small. I'll meet you back at Sarah's in 20 minutes, I said, eager to get away. The Arborio? 
Arboreal rice is an aisle five, Caleb said helpfully, handing Grace back to Abby. It's the closest thing to paella rice in Hamilton. If that's not good enough, you can stop by and see Maureen at the health food store. She'll special order some Spanish rice for you. Otherwise, you'll have to drive to Syracuse. It's like, wow, these people know a lot. Right. (laughs) Damn. And it makes me think subconsciously, maybe that's why Diana avoided a lot of them. Yeah. Everybody's up in everybody's business. Yeah. And beyond just listening in, I mean, they can hear your thoughts, some of them. Yes. And it's like, wow. So I can imagine why she was wary of these creatures before. But now, I mean, she's got no choice. It's interesting that she wasn't bothered, though. I mean, after having Champier invade her thoughts and Peter Knox in the TV show invades her thoughts, that she's not at all bothered. She's not doesn't have any discomfort with Abby doing it. Right. Maybe she doesn't sense malice in this case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like surrender. She's like, okay, fuck it. She's, she's getting my grocery list. I really don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Diana says thanks. And then she's thinking to herself there would be no stops at the health food store, which was the local hangout for witches when they weren't at the cost cutter. I pushed my cart in the direction of aisle five. Good idea. Don't forget the milk. Abby called after me. <laughs> God. It's like, Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. When I got back home, Matthew and Fernando were standing in the field deep in conversation. I put the groceries away and found the bucket in the sink where I left it. My fingers automatically reached for the tap, ready to twist it open so that the water flowed. What the hell is wrong with me? I muttered, pulling the empty bucket out of the sink. I carried it back into the still room and let the door swing shut. This room had seen some of my greatest humiliations as a witch. Even though I understood that my past difficulties with magic had come about because I was a weaver and spellbound to boot, it was still difficult to to leave the memories of failure behind. But it was time to try. Placing the bucket on the hearth, I felt for the tide that always flowed through me. Thanks to my father, not only was I a weaver, but my blood was full of water. Crouching down next to the pail, I directed my hand into the shape of a spout and focused on my desires. Clean, fresh, new. Within minutes, my hand looked like metal rather than flesh, and water poured from my fingers, hitting the plastic with a dull thud. Once the bucket was full, my hand was just a hand again. I smiled and sat back on my heels, pleased that I had been able to work magic in the bishop house. All around me, the air sparkled with colored threads. It no longer felt thick and heavy, but bright and full of potential. A cool breeze blew through the open window. Maybe I couldn't solve all our problems with a single knot, but if I wanted to find out what Emily and my mother knew. I had to start somewhere. With a knot of one, the spells begun, I whispered, snagging a silver thread and knotting it securely. Out of the corner of my eyes, I glimpsed the full skirts and brightly embroidered bodice that belonged to my ancestor, Bridget Bishop. Welcome home, granddaughter, said her ghostly voice. So the ghosts are back. And that is the end. Anything to add for this chapter, guys? Not really. No, it's almost like the atmosphere lifted with Diana's mood. So she was like the mood setter. Yeah. Yes. It was, just, just that little more sliver so, that she lifted the virtual garage door, then the, the ghost slipped back in. So we have a ghost back because the attitude, you know, she's just like, fuck it. <laughs> she let the witches of the coven in. She's mm-hmm. just open yeah. to everything. She's like, I'm going to perform magic in here. Fuck it. We're just going to do what we need to do. Yeah. Right. So anything for you, Jean? I mean, it was like a, a short chapter. It was a great transitional chapter. Yeah. I enjoyed this chapter. We've moved from the oppressive family dynamic and septours to like this kind of hippy dippy commune going on over here in uh, <laughs> Madison. So it'll be interesting to see how things work out. And you know what? I'm far from hippy dippy 
in my lifestyle, but I definitely felt more comfortable in the Madison house than I did at Septor. Yes. That last visit. Yep. From an emotional atmosphere standpoint, yes. Because the go- I think, and it, it's funny because it, it, the problem is the ghosts in Septor seem to be the problem. The ghosts in the Bishop house are the solution. True. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Huh? I liked all the groundwork that was laid. I mean, all the names that you got, Hutchinson and Pratt and other names that'll come up even mm-hmm. in future chapters, just establishing that these families have been in this area, starting with the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Have been, they've been there for a long mm-hmm. time. And to boot, the families are, I wouldn't say powerful, but they're skilled. They're very skilled witches. And mm-hmm. they could only help Diana and Sarah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like, but I like that she's coming into it with a fresh vision. Fuck it. I am a witch. I'm going to let these people in. We need help. So I'm going to ask for the help. Well, and the other thing too is I I really like how structurally this coven is so different than the hierarch- hierarchical, very regimented structure of the London coven. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree. It's more community, like it feels said, like. It's more hippy dippy. Hippy yeah. dippy. Yeah. It's very but, American. It's egalitarian rather than hierarchical. Yes. True. Because you never, because even though Vivian is basically the equivalent to Goody mm-hmm. in the Madison Cup, you don't get the same flavor of deference that, I mean, everybody it clearly defers to Goody and mm-hmm. she's the final say, but I just get the feeling that with Vivian, everything's much more egalitarian. Right. Even though the structure might be there, they deal with it differently. It's a representational democracy rather than a constitutional monarchy. Yeah. <laughs> True. True. Wait, no, one what? more comment. Oh, there's more. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so <laughs> yeah. two minutes ago, you said, welcome home, granddaughter, her ghostly voice said. So welcome to the Bishop House. Now that I just heard everything that you guys said and we've said and discussed, now I see it as welcome home. Welcome to who you are. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. Maybe that's why I felt more comfortable. Yeah, could yeah. be. Yeah. All right. With there's no more interruptions or things to say. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? No. Nope. <gasps> going once, going twice. So. Okay. So that brings us to housekeeping. Housekeeping this time is brought to us by Camille Mellon, our witchy listener, Camille. Thank, Thank you, Camille. Camille. <laughs> Housekeeping. All right. Who's got housekeeping? Who wants to start? I will. I've got a couple of odd questions. The first one is from Retta, one of our new listeners. Hi, Fabulous Demons. You are my number one podcast. Hell, the only one lately. I don't know if you can recommend a Lucifer Netflix podcast. Can't think of anyone I would trust more for a podcast for a podcast to be Hmm. number two. I've checked. I don't. There's there's only the Lucifer podcast that I've come across, and I think they're actually affiliated with the production. You might want to try that one first. Yeah. I don't see that there were very many fan ones that have cropped up yet, which mm. five years in is kind of strange, but I don't know. Maybe we can do that next. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're only on season five. <laughs> we all get yeah. Netflix. <laughs> yeah. And season five has been kind of fun, if you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> yeah. I I can't help you because uh, the only I I listen to several different podcasts, but this is probably the only fan based podcast I listen to besides All Souls Witchy Women occasionally because I edit it, so I have to listen to it. <laughs> but other than that, no. Um, yeah, do what Jean said. Start there and yeah, see. I, mean, I didn't I see listen any to fan Faded ones. Mates sometimes. That's about it, and that's yeah. a fantasy and romance. 
podcast, so can't yeah. help you there. Well, might as well read your second weird okay. question. <laughs> My second weird question is from Georgia. Okay. Quick question. I don't know whether this has ever been discussed, but could there possibly be a chance that Isabel was originally a Brightborn herself? If I recall correctly in Sun, Philippe's note to her refers to her as Bright One or something similar to that. Just a thought. Hmm. It's a good thought, but I don't think so. Yeah. No, and Bright, bright One also ties into the, the meaning of Claremont means Bright Mountain. Mm-hmm. And Philippe's got a fascination with Bright, let's just say. And I, whether that's related to his role as custodian of the Brightborns or not, I guess we have to wait and find out. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. Even yes. if they're weird, even if they're non-related, we'll answer them. Yeah. We'll try. <laughs> yes, we'll always try. Angela, what do you have? I have a five-star review. <laughs> you guys can <laughs> You've been revived. And this yes. is this is on Podchaser, yes? Yes. Yes. It's on Podchaser. So it comes from Michelle H. And she says, a really fun-filled podcast with three lovely demon ladies who know these books inside and out. If you're a fan of the books or the show, or you're just curious what this whole world is about, this is the best place to start. Michelle. Wow, Michelle. Thank, Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. And Angela's back up. Yes. yes. I'm revived. <laughs> <laughs> My Marty McFly hands have come back. <laughs> <laughs> she was disappearing. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I have one from Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. She says, hi, demons. I hope you're all safe and doing well in these new strange times we live in. I've fallen behind on episodes and I am just now catching up again and just want to check in and say that I really appreciate and support all you have to say about Black Lives Matter and the protests for justice concerning the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and more now anyway. Mm-hmm. And far, far too many others. The list of names we need to say is heartbreaking and infuriating in its scope. I really respect your willingness to take a public stand, even if others find it uncomfortable or upsetting, etc. To bring awareness to an issue that is long overdue for reparations and change. Really appreciate y'all and stand in solidarity with you. Stay safe and looking forward to catching up on the deep dive into the book of life. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for seeing and hearing us. Yes. yes. And on that note, we're going to go on to save it for the show. Yay. Yay. <laughs> this episode of Save It for the Show is brought to us by Jody Cozy. Thank you, Thank Jody. You, Jody. Thank you. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. All right. So this episode, Save for the Show, topic is quite uh, relevant, I feel, in both cases. The fear of difference and change. Anyone want to start with that and how it relates to, I would say, the fandom, these books, and what's going on in our world right now? There's a lot to say. Pretty much summed up the whole week. Yeah. (gasps) Right. Yeah. Be scared. Be scared that people want to change the status quo. Oh, okay. We should probably timestamp us right now. It is the 29th of August. There's a huge uprising in Angela's neck of the woods. Was it Kenosha? Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yes. Yeah. 20 minutes away. And at the same time, there was a convention going on with one of the political parties. And the theme of the whole convention seemed to be like, be scared of the other. They're going to do this, 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 and this to you. And it made me think of what was going on in the brains the people in the congregation or the people getting ready to form the congregation mm-hmm. when they decided 
to draw up the covenant so creatures could not get involved in politics. Creatures had to segregate amongst themselves because all these bad things might happen if they didn't. Yep. Change is bad. Change is bad. My problem with with that whole thing, change is bad. The only thing constant in this world is change. Mm -hmm. The only way you can survive is to change. With right. the changes. Didn't Philippe say something about that? I don't yes. I can't remember the passage of something about being flexible or the only thing the only thing constant in this universe is change, maybe? It's the epigraph for the book of life. Oh, okay. It is it is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It's the one that is most adaptable to change. There we go. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're living through right now. And that's what this book has been screaming at us for years, years. now. Yeah. I get it. Change sucks. They just change Facebook and I'm pissed. You know? Oh, I know. Uh, change sucks, but because we fear what we don't know, and I don't know if biologically we're set that way, especially when others are so willing to come on and say things are scary and listen to me because um, one of the premises is they're going to let these people take over your neighborhoods, be scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and that goes to what Rebecca Bishop had said in Discovery of Witches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fear was the strongest force on earth. It's true. We're witnessing it. And it's being used against us right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, no one likes change. No. No one likes change. You get comfortable. Yeah. It's like, what's wrong with how things are now? Let's meet a Facebook. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, it's it's comfortable for you, but your comfort is, as a suburban white woman, my comfort is built on someone else's discomfort and that's not right. Right. That's the genesis for all of this change that has to happen, which is why you need to roll with it. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to say about this except for be brave, be strong, get ready for the change and then get ready for change again because when you make big changes, it's not necessarily all at once. All at once and it's not necessarily going to be better. But when you make a big change, hopefully you'll have little fixes along the way so it's more or, I mean, I think of it as, you know, programming. They'll come out with a, an alpha and a beta mm-hmm. and you're sitting there with the beta and you're like, you find all the bug problems and you report them back and then they fix them along the way. So hopefully things will run smoother and this is what people can settle into and be well, fine with. Yeah. Hey, I, just this morning before we came on the air, Alan and I had a conversation and he was talking about the new C8 body style Corvette and people bitching about them. He's like, you never buy the first year when they change over. They change it. Yeah. Over a platform of a vehicle like a Corvette, because like you said, you wait until the second or third year and they work (laughs) out all the bugs and tweak things to their liking and just accept that the first first year of a new body style, it's going to have some weird things. That's why I always buy the S model on the iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they've already worked out what was working shitty on the, on the exactly. original change <laughs> you exactly. know it's like yeah I'll, I'll buy the S model but I don't I, I'm just beyond I think we already spoke about this so many times as far as George Floyd and all the other things that are going on in our world mm-hmm. and the race issue that's going on and it's like uh, and I feel and maybe it's just me and I feel like that's the main component to this whole uprising as far as they want to change this, they want to change that. Well, who is they? What are you talking about? What are you you guys trying to prevent? It's like with the 
covenant. And we just discussed last chapter or the chapter before when they found the surprise baby. And then when did that uh-huh. happen? Right before the covenant was written because people were scared of mixed babies vampire and and witch Witch. mixes yeah so they can claim it's all these other things but the basis for that document was they didn't want a mixing of vampires and witches to make these babies Mm -hmm. and sure stay out of politics we'll throw that in there it's like a bill in congress we'll throw all the other things in there right yes let me put the money in for this alaska alaska uh, you know here's some money for that alaska bridge or whatever right exactly those of you in the u.s you know that that uh, Congress will put up a bill and on order for people to sign off on it, they'll throw in their own little pet projects. So oh. by the time you're looking at the end of the bill, it's like, wait, what does this have to do with the original bill? What? <laughs> well, an excellent example of that is what they always try to pull with the big budget bill is they'll try and tack on it abortion restrictions on it every it's goddamn like, time. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 right, no. Right. We haven't fallen for it the first 45 times you tried it. It's not going to work this time either. Yeah. Except when it does. That one time, you know. Yeah. I mean, fortunately for the TV show, we did get a good glimpse into what the congregation is like with the quid pro quos and at least pretend it's a democracy. Right. And, we, and we have what? to all ignore the fact that, you know, pretend like we don't realize that it's the vampires really running the show. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I love that little sidebar. It was so funny. Oh. <laughs> like we must rule but we won't say that out loud we gotta pretend you know (laughs) be quiet be quiet be quiet keep it on a down low and that's another thing in our real life it's always going to be there's always going to be a ruling class as much as we'd call our like to call ourselves a democratic republic there's Mm -hmm. always going to be a ruling class that wants to have their say and right now the ruling class does not want certain things to happen because they feel like they will lose power Mm -hmm. and This might seem very political, but I don't think it is. I think this is the way life is. So back to fear of the other. We have to start thinking about what we fear, the fear of change Mm -hmm. and the fear of everything. And that's all these books were about. And I guess that's all I have to say on the matter. You guys, it's your turn. (laughs) (laughs) Passing it to you guys Uh, and vote. Okay. And vote. (laughs) vote. Definitely vote. Um, Oh, man, I didn't mean to bring this down. No, no, it wasn't. I'm I'm thinking because I've seen a lot of good things. It's not directly related to fear and change, but just what we were talking about. And Emmanuel Acho, he's an excellent speaker. I follow him on Twitter. And he says, when you're talking about just the ruling class being afraid of change, too, equality isn't a finish line you'll cross. It's a road you'll travel. So it's little steps. It's increments. Um, But as Mm -hmm. he says, it starts in your home. It starts in your community. It starts in your city because a city can affect a state. A state can affect a country. A country can affect Mm -hmm the world. So um, don't think that what you're doing and how you're preparing for change doesn't matter. It does matter. It mm-hmm. does. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's a process. We'll never be done. Right. No. So just enjoy the ride. It'll be fun. No, I'm not speaking um, from a certain political standpoint, even though I do have a political standpoint, and I think it's quite obvious when you listen to me talk. However, I mean, no matter what side you're coming from, you have to look at this and say, you know, change is inevitable, but how do I affect this change Mm -hmm. to make it good for everybody else too? Mm -hmm. Because not just me, you're not a monolithic. It's not just you. (laughs) 
Mm -hmm. We're all involved. What what I do affects Gene and what Gene does affects Angela and it affects the collective. But you have to think of it on a wider scale. It's like, what am I going to do that's going to affect somebody in another state or another Mm -hmm. the next town or in my household and the congregation didn't necessarily do that because no look where they ended up yeah (laughs) with witches losing their powers and vampires not able to procreate they're not thriving right now (laughs) they're not demons i'm sure it was great for the first hundred two three four hundred years i'm sure it was great but how many people broke the covenant and nobody said anything gerbert right (laughs) so that's happening around us too they do what they want anyway it's just they don't want you to do certain things exactly Mm. jerry falwell anyway (laughs) oh god (laughs) i might or might not cut that out i don't know (laughs) the poor boy Oh, we should all have a pool boy. <laughs> I'll put a link to that in the uh, show. The notes, Latino man. pool boy. How cliche. Oh, right? Oh, the hypocrisy. Cannot. I cannot. Anyway, oh anything else for this? Save it for the show. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like we've been getting heavy lately. So, well, it's, it's we're uh, just reflective of the world around us. Yeah. It's heavy time, Joe. Yes. And I was going to say, and here's my final thought on that. Apparently, Mrs. Reverend Faldwell was quite a frustrated cougar. Hey. <laughs> here's what I got to say to that. You go, yeah. girl. <laughs> <laughs> Get yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, I think we're gonna, we're done. We're done. <laughs> Do we even have last last thoughts? Do we need to have last thoughts? I don't no. know. Stick, stick with us, guys. Uh, after this break, we'll do something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact, and all all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form, and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at demons discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive and we need her around, okay? Keep Angela all right. Does anybody have last thoughts? Oh, my last thought is uh, the tickets for the virtual yeah. All Souls Con has gone on sale today. So be sure to grab your tickets and join in on these three Saturdays of what will prove to be very informative uh, presentations. That's right. All Souls Con. I'll put a link in the show notes for getting your tickets. It's online affair this time. It's virtual. And uh, yeah, so we're what we're actually doing without giving out details is we're going to be 
putting out an exclusive podcast just for All Souls Con. If you're mm-hmm. a regular listener on this feed, you will not get it unless you purchase tickets and then that will actually buy you other goodies as well. Us. And <laughs> Shelly uh, Carter will be joining us on this one because we'll need her expertise. Yes, because, you know, all the science, all the science. Mm. We're sciencing. Doing the science. <laughs> Angela. My last thought is social media. So I said that I was going to do the pinning and republish our boards for the Book of Life. So that's still on my to-do list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But with that said, the Discovery Witches real-time read is, uh, you know, maybe three weeks away. I don't know. I don't don't have any Mm -hmm. ideas of what I'm going to do, if I'm going to do a thing. So I'm not going to promise. But maybe, maybe, maybe we three demons will get to our heads together. Yeah, do something. We're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? No, that's it. All right. Uh, so here, here's my last thought. 2020 is a wreck, y'all. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even. I mean, here we we were in March when we were first ruminating over this uh, pandemic, and here we are still ruminating over this pandemic. And, and here it's in the not U.S., going to be September. Yeah. Here in the U.S., it's just kind of traveling. It's a traveling road show. So Mm -hmm. uh, one place gets over and another place it resurges. And, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to say we're trying to get our shit together, but uh, I I don't Eh. know. I'm trying to make the best of it, though. I I really am, even though, you know, shit's a little haywire. I remember when the CDC was said, you know, we don't recommend masks right now because they were afraid that we were going to go raid the PPE. Buy them all. Yeah, buy yeah. them all. Um, and I, we we three, I think, got them ahead of that anyways, before it was mandatory anywhere. And I remember asking you that day, I'm like, well, what's your feeling on masks and where are you going to get them and blah, blah, blah. And now we probably each have like 20 of them. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. have, I have the cool ones from Ishakti that hang around your neck. So I don't forget them. I just throw it around my neck. I don't give a shit. They're pretty. They're like necklaces until they're on my face. There you go. (laughs) I have a whole bunch of those and I have, I keep spare ones in a drawer, all washed, ready to go. If somebody says they Mm -hmm. don't have a mask, I got some. Here you go. Yeah. So our life has changed in that. And then there's this whole looming talk of vaccine. Uh, I am hardly an anti-vaxxer, but I'm not going to trust the first ones coming out. And I don't know how to change that, guys. So I'm just going to be watching. And as soon as, Somebody says, hey, somebody with authority and somebody with a science background and Mm -hmm. a medical background says, hey, this one's good, guys. I am not going to be jumping into that pool either. And I have a feeling I'm not the only one with that. So it's going to be a while. This is this is our new reality. And hey, just say we told you so. But we told you so. This is our life now. (laughs) So. Yeah, good reviews. Hey, guys. <laughs> you guys keep leaving yes. those good reviews. You saw how happy Angela was, and I'll put the links in the show notes. If you have Apple Podcasts app, we'd love it on there. If not, do it on Podchaser. Like Jean said earlier, it is the Goodreads for podcasts. And if you like what you're listening to, please leave us a good review. Yes, it's very easy to do. Easy to do. And I don't have anything else. Um, I'm happy we're in Soul and Leo. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any last things before we say goodbye, guys? Nope. 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 All right. So let's say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you in a fortnight. Bye. Mm-hmm.